Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wilderness Voice. Um, we apologize for taking so long to record another episode. Um, things have been really busy, and as you know, the southeast Texas area has been completely flooded. Um, we thought about building an ark a few times, floating out into the ocean, but alas, we're still here. Um, this Today's episode is not going to be really on one subject it's going to be more of kind of catching up what we've been up to news uh what we think about some current events uh stuff like that so without further ado we'll go ahead and get started um yeah it's good to be coming to you from uh still as of yet radio free texas from galveston island near texas which uh couple of days ago I wasn't so sure that Galveston wasn't going to be an island as we kept moving everything we could to higher ground and finally realized that if it keeps raining uh, there's no more higher ground left and no way to get off this island so but thanks to the grace of God uh, none of our vehicles went under and we had some flooding issues but nothing that can't be fixed and uh, now our roads are passable by vehicles rather than boats uh, yeah, kayak guy had to take his, his boat home. Yeah, yeah, we've had people up and down the streets with kayaks, and uh, a guy right down the street had a pontoon barge on a trailer, and as watched the water coming up, I told Elijah, I said, his pontoon boat's going to float off trailer and all, and surely it did. It floated down to the cemetery. So uh, I don't know what you guys think about climate change or global warming or any of these things uh, but I can tell you that this new weather pattern that we seem to be in in the Houston uh, Gulf Coast area in particular is alarming because either the island is sinking or the ocean is rising and uh, a normal rain for us is no longer normal we can get anywhere from three to four inches in an hour and some spots down here got over 50 inches of rain uh, would like to ask people to pray for everybody that's flooded out and I don't know if you guys see much on the news but man we've got whole areas that are devastated uh, some Win places with 40 or 50 inches of rain yeah Winnie Texas and uh, spots all over Houston Galveston uh, Clear Lake I mean we could go on and on about places that were impacted by the flood but uh, Man, y'all pray because it, it's definitely a problem that that is reoccurring. And uh, there's a lot of people hurting right now. There were some people lost their lives during this. And with the mission, we're doing everything we ha can to help. And uh, But all we can do is pray. And we also, I think, need to take a serious look at uh, if these weather patterns are our new norm then there's a lot of things that have to change. Yeah, so. and what we can do, if the, if anything, to uh, help mediate and negate some of what's happening. Because I don't know if with the, with the sea levels and with the crazy weather patterns that we get, the amount of, you know, the, how, the severity of the hurricanes every year, it's not safe to live somewhere on the coast anymore if, the, if this is going to be the case going forward. Well, one of, one of the things in particular with this, and 
you know, the industry that I work in, uh, man, we we work in extreme circumstances, and we a lot of what we do is, is haul materials and and things in for flood control and to adapt. And you know, we uh, man, we've been running twenty four seven since uh, the storm. But one of the things that that is so alarming is this storm literally was nothing but a little usual gulf thunderstorm we get them uh i've seen times here on the island where it'd be totally sunshining and then all of a sudden you know you'd have not a tropical storm but like a, we call them squalls here like just a really bad thunderstorm yeah. that pop up and man it's nothing i've we've seen water spouts pop up and come across the island when nothing was predicted but but this storm in particular was nothing but a squall. And within two hours, it was a tropical depression. And a couple hours after that, it was a tropical, full-blown yeah, tropical storm. A named storm. A named storm. And a week ago, it had only a 20% chance of developing into anything. And then I seen on some various, you know, kind of Facebook type weather watcher guys uh, in the Gulf Coast region talking about, you know, how, you know, they were kind of feeling eerie about it. And uh, so I kept telling dad, you know, we probably should keep an eye out for this one because, you know, these guys are normally they're not overreacting about things like this. So, and then within a few days from that, they kept jumping it up, jumping it up. And then finally, you know, we go to bed one night and wake up, and there's a tropical depression off the coast. And within two hours, it was a tropical storm. Yeah, and within two hours, they had named it. So, and I was already, at, I was already at University of Houston Clear Lake by the time they named it, and I hadn't watched the weather or anything that morning. So, I had to drive in as it was making landfall. Yeah, I did the same thing. I was at work, and when it when it kicked on in and started coming in, there was immediate flooding. And uh, for you guys that don't live along the coast, uh, it's hard to explain to you how drastically and how quickly it can become life-threatening when this happens because immediately roads start going in. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people stranded on I-10, on, on 59, on 45, that they were on the interstate they couldn't get off. Uh, bridges were starting to close. We had we had barges break loose and slam into the I-10 bridge, and I-10 still closed. Uh, there's regions that you still can't get to because of road closures, and all this happened in such a fast period of time. Nobody really had time to prepare for it. And people always tell you, well, you know, you got to prepare. You got to prepare. Well, we try to stay prepared. We keep extra water, especially because of the mission. We keep extra water. I told Elijah to fill his truck up when he started coming back onto the island because we figured, you know, we were going. We knew we were going to get flooded in, and we did. But but you cannot prepare for something that happens that fast. Mm -hmm. and, and and then, you know, they were like, "Oh, it should be out of here by tomorrow." And then Thursday, it was worse than it was when it made landfall. It just sat on top of the Houston Beaumont area and just drenched us. So on my thinking that we were okay, me and Dad both go 
you know, into Houston on our daily commutes. And then it just starts flooding again the next morning. And on our way back into Galveston, there wasn't but one lane of Broadway open and the rest of the island was underwater. And by two o'clock, was it Thursday? Our house, the bottom floor went underwater. Yeah, and, then, and we kept moving vehicles, and uh, the highest point close to us is a store behind our house, and we moved everything up on their parking lot. We're friends with the guys. And then I parked my company pickup up there, and it's pouring so hard. Me and Jack sit there, and we literally watch it come up, and it's all the way up under my company pickup, and we're talking about that meant there was four and a half to five feet of water in the street, and that's hard to imagine, but it happened just that fast. Two days uh, of rain. Yeah, if you know, and one of the reasons we bring this up, one, it puts a lot of strain on the mission because we have been inundated with people that got flooded out and just needed a place to eat or get out of the rain. The mission didn't go under, but uh, you waited three and a half to four foot of water to get in it. And uh, we're going to post some pictures on on our mission Facebook and stuff. But there are, yeah, there, then there are. There is already some on the mission page of the flooding, like uh, pictures of our dogs out there swimming in the middle of the road. And well, and one of the things, you know, with my job, we've been hauling rock for the railroad uh, ever since this happened. And, and it's hard to imagine, but rain so hard and flooding so bad that it's washing out infrastructure. And uh, I'm just not sure that a lot of people are aware of, of how drastic this is and how quick it can come and it's not just the gulf coast region there's lots of regions in our country that are the same way and, and of course it poses the question you know i'm you know i'm not a big global warming proponent i i'm not sure how much that we as humans can actually impact our the weather for the whole world but but it's also wrong to say that these things are not happening and all through history we've went through these great periods of either heating or cooling and i believe that we're in one of those now so it's not so much everything we have caused to cause it it's how do we adapt and if we can not cause more problems and if we it, should we should be very proactive in and not causing more problems and it uh, like if it was you know the industrialization of the world that caused it is there anything we can do to you know slow some of the the damage down a lot of people love to hark on you know talking points when it comes to um climate change like high schoolers all over the nation I, I, maybe yesterday, might have been the day before, had a climate strike where a bunch of kids left class to, you know, um, you know, uh, gosh, what was it? Well, they didn't hear because we had no they, school. Yeah, there was there's no school, but all over the, all over, all over the United States, they left school, you know, in the name of climate change, demanding action. Well, demanding action really isn't going to, do anything when you don't have any solutions making cutting back cow methane and you know ridiculous things like the green deal new the new what's it called the green new deal or whatever yeah, stuff ridiculous. like that doesn't work where you do have people 
like these natural gas plants that are running on 100% clean energy. They're burning natural gas, capturing the carbon, and then using the carbon to burn the natural gas. It's just, it's a circle. And well, that, there's, there's, there are solutions like that, but no one wants to hear about them. They, everyone just likes to scream about them. Looks like everything else. You've got people that have taken ridiculous positions on both sides, and what they refuse to do is look at this new liquefied natural gas, which is technology that's drastically changing the oil industry. It's going to change even the shipping industry because with the weight that's taken out of fuel, dirty fuels that ships have to run, they can have extra carbo, cargo run liquefied natural gas and have no emissions effect. Uh, and, and people aren't seeming to tout that the industries are changing and they're changing in a very positive way. People just want to take these ridiculous positions like, and you know, today we're just kind of a free range show, but one of the most ridiculous things to me is this whole issue with plastic straws. Uh, if, if you want to attack plastics for clean up the environment, then quit getting your groceries bagged in those ridiculous plastic bags that are extremely harmful. Again, we live on an island. These things choke dolphins and, and, and sea turtles, and, yeah. and they float out there and get bundled together in these big masses, and, and nobody seems to have a problem with the plastic bags because why it's more convenient for everybody just to grab plastic bags when they go to the grocery store when if we shifted back over to paper uh, you're using a renewable resource that breaks down and you can actually recycle the paper very easily you don't even have to carry it back you can use it in your gardens for to help your soil and it's a renewable resource from where our other home is East Texas is rich with pine trees and and they're replenishable regrowable uh, Pine trees are actually a crop now. So, you know. It's just like, and, and people got mad when places like, what was that, Aldi's in England started charging if you used the plastic bags, but they didn't if you used the, uh, if you brung your own, you know. Bring your own or paper. That's a solution. Nobody won't, everybody said, oh, but I don't want to be charged to, well, if you really believe in the stuff, you'll actually bring a bag or you'll pay more for the plastic bag. Exactly. And they can use the money to, you know, ship it off to some group that they think's going to... If you keep buying the plastic bags, they can, you know, allocate the money to some kind of environmental policy. But that's a solution there. No one wants to do it, though, because they have to... They still want to use the plastic bags in the long run, which is mind-blowing. It is. And, and, you know, the very people that are, you know feeling like they're doing something about getting straws banned or still uh, getting their stuff from wherever they get it in plastic bags yeah. because they're more convenient. And that's where it seems like today that every issue that we face, there's extremes on both sides and and there's no common sense anywhere in, in either of the extreme sides. Uh, and in the other side, doubting, there there are non-political scientific studies that show that, yes, there is climate change happening. 
you can't deny that part. You can deny claims made by political organizations about the science, but you can't deny when objective research comes out and says, hey, you know, something's happening here. We should probably look into what we can do about it. Yeah, and if, okay, let's say, let's, let's just say for argument's sake, we're in a period of heating for the next, these cycles usually run 100 years. Okay, so whether we caused it or not, we, we are in a period where the whole global uh, weather is going to be warmer. Then what can we do to adapt to it? Because now one, one really ironic thing, if we were in a deep cooling cycle, I would be way more concerned for the immediate result than if mm -hmm. being in a heating cycle. Uh, because as temperatures drop, and, and you can do the research yourself, far more people die from cold temperatures than they do for warmer temperatures. Now, does that mean that I want to see it keep getting hotter? No, we've had many, many hundred degree days with 100% humidity here. We don't need it to be warmer. However, the heating cycle uh, is better for humanity as a whole than a cooling cycle. Unless it just gets to be too hot. Oh, absolutely. And the problem with the heating cycle is the rise in ocean temperatures. Which is a problem. And, you know, like I say, whether you believe the oceans are rising or not, we've lived in Galveston long enough and been involved down here for many, many years, and I can show you where there were things that are no longer Just driving over the causeway. Because the water's higher than it was, and even at extreme low tide, uh, there's this one little island that was here for a long, long time, and at extreme long tide, you can low tide, you can see it now, but other mm -hmm. than that, you never see it. I seen. I, I was listening to a podcast. It was someone Joe Rogan had on. I, I forget. He's a climate specialist. He writes a lot of articles and um uh, editorials all over the country, stuff like that, but he was saying that, you know, Joe was asking him kind of like, you know, what if we're not causing it? What if we are causing it? He said, wouldn't it be way more scarier if it was something we couldn't control than if we could? We all want to think, oh yeah, we can control it because that makes us feel better because maybe we could do something to stop it. The more terrifying thought is there's nothing we can do to make it stop. It's just going to get hotter or it's going to get cooler. There's nothing we can do about it. I'm not so sure that we can do anything about I it. I always like to think, yeah, you know, nobly we can try. Whether we, get, we do something about it or not, that's irrelevant. But the terrifying thought being maybe there's nothing we can do about it. Maybe but that not. doesn't mean dump fertilizer into the rivers and like and burn uh slash and burn the amazon rainforest to plant you know crops for american you know uh grocery stores but. i'm not i'm not a per se what we would call today an environmentalist no. however i am a farmer and a sportsman i enjoy the outdoors i like to hunt i like to fish 
I like to go hiking. I like to do things in nature. And even though I've always worked in industries that most people would call not friendly to uh, the environment, I'd beg to differ. Most people that work in the oil and gas industry are sportsmen and and enjoy the outdoors. And we're not automatically going out to try to cause detrimental things to nature for money. Uh, that being said, however, there every industry has those people. Absolutely, we, man. And we've seen those. But the thing about that is, is I believe that God blessed us with this earth, and I believe that if you believe in God. Uh, that you should have an appreciation for nature. Uh, I believe that we should do our best to give our kids, grandkids, their kids, the best earth that we can give them. Uh, and, and it's easy to, it's real easy to say that, but it's hard to put that in practice because we do so much with our consumerism culture and we waste so much until there is absolutely absolute damages that we do to to our environment and, and I'm gonna give y'all a good for instance and this one hits real close to home we throw away more food than any culture any country any place on this earth we we weigh multiple times more food than any any place else on this earth and you go well that's horribly wasteful well it is because it could be given to places like our mission or thousands of other missions across the country but and there are and there are places like Panera Bread sure that are before they throw it away they tried to get rid of it Arlen's but, Arlen's Food Mart here on Galveston Island grocery stores uh, they give all their stuff we get a lot of it uh, so there are people that do but also the legalisms and people afraid of lawsuits exactly. and all this you know i'm not going to name names but most of your major box stores that uh the and majority of people and restaurants that people eat at they throw all their stuff away because they don't want to be liable for a lawsuit in case somebody eats something that was spoiled exactly which is ridiculous but those massive amounts of food that we throw away if we used more sustainable and more controlled inventory even in our production levels of food we would not have to grow as much food as we have to grow now and that also spins back into people getting back into growing their own things it does and dare I say, not consuming so much. Absolutely. And people don't need, you have a giant amount of people all over the, all over the United States that consume way more calorie intake our, than Look they up our, the average calorie intake for us and for other nations. Uh, one, one of the things with this, and, and something we do at the mission, I mean, we have raised beds, and we have raised beds at our house. Uh when we're living at the farm, we raise a lot of crops. However, here it's limited, but we've learned to grow things with raised beds, much more sustainable. We can eliminate about 60% of our grocery bill by raising our own food here, even in the city. And Galveston is very limited because the lot sizes down here are so small, but you still 
uh, we raised all of our tomatoes, all of our lettuce, all of our greens, uh, uh, all of our peppers. Uh, we raised that in just very, very small uh, raised beds. And the food's more nutritious, tastes better, better for you, and it eliminates a massive amount of, of waste from the stores. I don't know that. Okay, that's not going to work. But the, the point is, is that if we all are community-minded, we can make a difference and an impact, even in the small things like what we intake. And, and that absolutely will have a positive environmental impact. We can grow sustainable crops without all the chemicals. Uh, but a huge thing is the waste. And, and what we have to look at, that comes upon all of us because if there wasn't a market for all of this different stuff, it, would, it wouldn't be grown. And, and it's like with plastic. Again, I bring up the silliness of banning plastic straws, and yet everybody drinks water out of plastic water bottles that it takes massive amounts of time for them to break down. And a bunch of them end up in the waterways and in the oceans. And even to a more ridiculous note, if you'll look on most bottles of water, it tells you that after you finish it, if you will just simply take the cap off, crush it down, it'll go down to a little bitty, little bitty, about an inch and a half, two inch little piece of plastic, put the cap back on it. And even if it does go in a landfill, it takes up one like eighth of the space that it would take up. The average American, 3,770 calories per day. The recommended intake is about 2,500 calories a day. What about the rest of the rest of the world you just start going way down like some places like china well which you get down to the countries you don't want to eat like like you know like third world countries like starving to death but like getting down to like china and stuff you got like 1500 calories and it just gets lower and lower and lower which you got to think again that calories is based on kind of like the person sure. but still we're like a thousand calories or more over the recommended daily intake and 150 years ago i bet that oh, calorie yeah. intake was half or less yeah and and so if we want to talk about environmental issues and things that are affecting the environment we have to take that to a personal level because these conveniences that all of us love so much are part of the reason that we're having these problems. Yes. And, you know, again, I tend to believe that, you know, we're probably in a cycle that we really pretty much didn't bring up on ourselves. But what we have to do is, is say, okay, what can we do to adapt and to change what we can? And, you know, maybe in a, in a later episode we can – bring up some of the statistics a lot of the newer stuff is talking that i've been read is uh talks about just since the late 1800s with industrialization how much the environment changed just since then now we've made we don't do like we don't pollute as much as they did because they almost it's like they they were ignorant to the fact what they were doing they had no idea they, what they were doing they so had no idea of the consequences maybe a lot of the people today don't are not caused 
or not a cause of what the change, but can't necessarily speak for the people, you know, in the past. But well, and this 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 could be a boring topic for a lot of you guys, but it's not for me because one of the things that I've always I've taught this, even even with in Bible studies with we should do the best that we can with everything we have. So I, I've used this example a bunch of times. If you're gonna cut down a tree, whatever you build with that wood should be worth cutting down the tree for. So that's why I believe so strongly in recycling. If if we tear something down, let's use the lumber that of what we tore down. Let's repurpose things because if it was worth cutting down a majestic tree for, then we should use every aspect of it we can use. I mean, you know, was it worth cutting down a tree to build those guitars? Yeah. Yes. Okay, but like a lot of the stuff that, that we buy today, we still cut down trees for it, but yet it, it's not made very well. And in two years, we'll have to buy another one because that one's broke or won't hold up. And then yeah. that goes to the landfill and we cut more trees down for... It's like cutting trees down for that shit IKEA furniture that you just pop together that maybe lasts a few years and then ends up either you break it or you sell it at a garage sale and it just never it doesn't last where we've got furniture that's antique that we've had that's hardwood that's 150 years old that yeah that's still you know you can still sit in it and that's where it kind of comes back to we need to we need a renaissance of of thought and of craftsmanship and of uh man making things good again and you know it's like technology and everything's taken us so fast so far until I think we're missing a lot of what really the the best things that we have to offer you yeah. know it's sort of like you know you look at art man I was been studying this this guy for a while and he told a story about uh, this farmer had commissioned an artist to paint this majestic oak tree that he never would cut out of one of his fields because this tree was old and it was beautiful and he wanted this artist to paint this picture of that tree in his field and he had already paid him and he, he said every day the artist would go out there for like two hours and he would just sit and stare at that tree and then he would go back to his studio and after about three weeks the farmer said hey bud can i see what you're doing on the painting i commissioned you to do and the artist said i haven't started yet and he said you go out there every day and you stare at that tree for two to three hours and you haven't started yet and the artist remarked to him he said i can't start until that tree speaks to me hmm. i have to see what I need to see before I start and that's pretty awesome because we need to go back to looking at things that way yeah definitely I like the beach uh, I'm starting to uh, not want to live uh, close to the beach to the Gulf Coast because of weather uh, mosquitoes a lot of other stuff oh, but tourists <laughs> but yeah tourists play a big role in that too but uh, 
but I enjoy the majet the majesty man of of just going down and sitting there and watching wave after wave after wave come in and knowing that God knew where that wave started and knew where that wave ended. Uh, what I don't enjoy is watching blobs of plastic bags and water bottles and, and other stuff being washed upon tires, tires, tables. And, and, I seen a table the other day wash up. Yeah. It, and it's just ri ridiculous that we can't as humanity have enough appreciation for it's, but you know, it's something changed and I don't know where and when and, and it's, not just it's we're Americans, so it's easy to pick on American culture, but it's a lot of cultures. But we're we have something changed to where no we're we don't look at things like we used to anymore. We don't look at people that are you know we don't look at art. We don't we look at things and celebrities and things like that, and we put value on things. You know, pop culture, celebrities. We don't put value on scientific uh, breakthroughs. We don't put value on, you know, great works of knowledge like books and things like, you know, back in the day, it was a big deal when you won the Nobel Prize. Sure, and nobody knows, knows who won. No. Nobody knows who won. Well, that. and there is something that's definitely changed. Uh, and I'll give you just... I like looking at things simply, but we feed people for free every day at the mission. Uh, some of the people that we serve desperately need it. Uh, we're all they have. And, and a lot of those guys have mental issues, stuff, autism, or they're on the spectrum, or veterans with uh, problems resulting from what they've experienced, uh, people with no families. But however, there's also a, a group of people that come through there that uh, don't appreciate anything. They really don't need anything. They have a ghetto mentality. Uh, they feel entitled to everything. And they can't even see a blessing when it's staring them in the face. And those people really wear you out. A couple weeks ago, we were down there. This guy just ate breakfast. And he carried his plate outside when he was walking, and he was 10 steps from the mission, and he threw his plate and his cup, just threw it down uh, on the Spanish church next door. And I told him, I said, man, pick that up. And he looked at me like, I'm not picking that up. I said, man, you need to pick that up, because one, that's total disrespect just throwing the trash down but the other thing is that god just provided you a free meal and apparently you were hungry so you ate it and the only appreciation you have about it is to walk 10 foot from the mission and throw it in the doorway of the spanish church that helps this community every day as well and that's not an isolated incident no not at all and it's not just in the bad neighborhood we're in i see people all the time uh driving down the road and throwing their McDonald's bag out the window. Uh, it's, yeah, just a total lack of respect for anyone or anything around them. It's just like in East Texas where we live. You know, we live on 
beautiful farm country out of the town and down both ditches of our dart road is just water burger trash and walmart bags and beer cans beer cans and receipt paper and it's, yeah it's where people just as soon as they pull off the road they clean out I, their car going down and every time i find i pray when there's a bag of trash that i can cut it open and find a receipt with oh, yeah, a we phone call number them. on it it's just i don't know something definitely switched sometime in american society well how do we get that back that's the question it doesn't seem to be changing after I read the news reports this morning. Uh, doesn't seem nothing yet. It we're does. not. We're not. Definitely not great again yet. No, we're not. And and we're not. As a matter of fact, I don't believe in the whole concept of evolution anyway. But let's just say that we are supposed to keep evolving. We're not evolving. We've uh, hit a plateau. Yeah, yeah, we're we're seems to be culturally and nationwide that we're at a plateau. We seem to be getting a little more ridiculous than we are wise. This book right here is a is a great example of that. You ever read it? Francis Fukuyama, The End of History and the Last of Man. He makes a case in that book that after uh the fall of like the Soviet Union and like the fall of communism, democracy prevailed, that human civilization just hit its absolute peak and we'll never go any higher yeah, than we are time. right now. And he says we're socially stagnant. Yeah, I can't accept that. And I, I feel are. like that's a pretty, pretty dark, gloomy view of things. It is, but that's where we have. But he may have a point. But I, maybe, I don't, where he's, where I, I don't believe, I, I think we can break through and go higher than we are now. So many times in human history, we've hit a point of just nothing, stagnation, um, normally caused by institutions like governments. The Catholic Church, you know, kept us in the dark for hundreds of years by squash—excuse <clears throat> me—squashing scientific breakthroughs like Copernicus, and then finally, Protestant Reformation. That kind of got their power got negated down. Throughout history, you see points that at where the powers that be have to kind of become smaller and let other people into the, you know, into the basketball court. Well, what's crazy is, though now it seems like, especially in, in our culture, the modern church, modern evangelical movement may be doing the same thing. And, and guys, don't send me hate mail. I'm not saying everybody. But what no. I'm saying is, is it's like now, uh, the modern church doesn't think about things like building community, helping the environment, uh, and way more, way more ready to send troops to Saudi Arabia for another useless war. And complete ignorance, like everybody, we we help veterans and. Most of the veterans that I know that come in the mission and that help serve and stuff like that are are staunchly anti-war. Absolutely. And you know, there and now that's becoming more of a bigger thing with people like Tulsi Gabbard and these people that are coming out that did fight in wars that say, "Look, we don't. There's no reason for us to be doing this anymore." And like right now, I mean, you can put in routers right now. 
three days ago, U.S. drone strike kills 30 pine nut farm workers in Afghanistan. At least 30. They're still assessing the damage. It was supposedly an ISIS stronghold, and it turned out to be 30 farmers in the shade resting after working. That is an atrocity that inevitably, it's already been three days, two days, and no one's gonna. I mean, it's with next week, no one will even remember it happened. That those people that that didn't get killed are automatically now more prone. To oh, exactly, they're our enemy. They're gonna be. They're more prone to become radicalized. Our our delving into foreign matters that aren't our business is the greatest recruitment tool that terrorist organizations have ever had. They're they, gonna, they're, they don't even have to make propaganda. That all they have to do is just show the news of, of things like this. And mm -hmm. but the the modern evangelical church is pretty much all far war and and if you don't if you Man, if you even say have any question about us sending troops anywhere, you're automatically automatically you're man, you're not patriotic, you know. Uh and and if you question these simple things, man, you know, if 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 what we're if what you're doing is so helpful, then why is the community deteriorating around you? Uh and why is it okay, and why haven't we no there has been no net gain in the Middle East since we first Put, oh, put trillions tr of dollars. Trillions of dollars. Nothing's changed. Every day, it's the same thing. And uh, you can say, "Well, you know, we just got it. It's noble to try." No, the it's not noble when you have people and infrastructure crumbling all over the United States, and closer to home, you have crumbling infrastructure. We have whole. Regions that don't have clean water. We have bridges failing. Um, they're we're about to lose the highway going and down if the you Bolivar want, Peninsula because of erosion and the ocean rising. Uh, the I ten is closed down because of a barge hitting a bridge. Man, we can go on and on. We need health health systems in this country that that can help take care of people who can't afford sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars a month insurance. We could be spending those trillions bettering people's lives. Here. Instead we're letting military contractors and and factories and make billions and billions and billions of dollars when the result of it is human suffering. And we could be pouring all those resources into bettering our society and once we get us fixed closer societies to us mexico absolutely there's no especially with the economic growth that places like saudi arabia has seen there's no sense that we are still over there when they're to right now people are supporting oh yep we're deploying troops again they're not even gonna try this time to spin this in some kind of nationalistic uh, propaganda literally defending Saudi assets from Iranian aggression 
that is what we're deploying troops for. When we have enough energy in this country to supply our needs as well as the rest of the world for years and years and years, and our technology is advancing, theirs is not. It's causing far greater harm to the environment and and to the whole world condition. And, and that's kind of the question at hand is, okay, whether we caused all this or not, what can we do to become part of the solution? And uh, prepare ourselves better for the next 50 to 100 years. Yeah. Uh, there's so much that needs to be done in our own nation, and yet we're still going to spend trillions and trillions of dollars. And when it all boils down to it, it, it's, you know, and then you can say I'm a conspiracy theorist, but it's this small group of elitists that control the majority of wealth in the world. It benefits them and nobody else. Yeah, you, military DOD contracts doling out. It Those drones are the, those things are, don't, we don't just, somebody doesn't just for the sake of, you know, helping America well, build those drones. Billions of dollars. <laughs> they, it's an industry. They sell. Nobody's. We don't have these people that you know volunteer to put missiles together. No. No. There, there are people that work a nine to five in a factory putting you know Patriot missiles together. That is making some guy, you know, in Tahiti, just more mega wealthy than he was the day before. It's not. No. It, no longer are is there a you know like World War One and World War Two where you know we had the American people in a war effort where people were going out to work in the factories. Well, and, that was a that was a just war, man. But we don't do that anymore. No. Now it's a business. And that's you know we'd like some feedback from you guys that take the time to listen on on issues. Uh, and that's a good one, man. One. You know, what do you think about global warming? Do you think we're causing it? Uh, do you think we're in one of these cycles that we really can't help, but we should be trying to figure out how to adapt to? Uh, or do you believe that it's man-made and that we are causing these effects? Uh, how do you feel about the dead zones in the Gulf of Mexico that are absolutely caused by fertilizer runoff from uh, the rivers and corporate agriculture that uh, pretty much has a slash environmentality. Uh, how do you feel about all the waste that we create in this country? And, and, and even so, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, we need to do some research, but it's just literal thousands and thousands of tons of good food gets thrown away because it wasn't selected from our multiple selections that we have every day. Uh, how you feel about this global never-ending war? Uh, and if you're a believer, what do you think Jesus thinks about all these issues? Yeah. From... Killing the earth and killing the earth, killing people, killing people to constantly keeping us in a state of total constant military industrial complex, just kicking, machine, man. just freaking always making more bombs, more drones, more weapons. And they need conflict, they have to have conflict. Used to, it was just every few years, every few years, we got into a big escalated fight that we're, we've not been out of one. We've 
my whole life we've been at war at the in the Middle East. We'd like to really like, you know, how you guys feel about this, or maybe you know, hearing radio, still radio free Texas, man. Maybe we're crazy and everybody else is insane. But we'd like to know, uh, how do you feel about the absolute just uh, neglect of trying to form community in our society anymore? Uh, about, you know, what are your thoughts? What are suggestions? And any time you bring up, people love to hate on stuff like this, but... It's just like, what if you were one of those immigrants trying to better your family? Oh, yeah. What if you were, you know, dying of cancer and couldn't afford the treatment? What, you know, uh, I had a, your... I'll give you a great example. And this happened about a month ago at Bible study. And ironically, it happened the same day at work before I got to Bible study. Two different guys, both Christians, both passionate about building this wall the guy works said oh the southern border wall yeah okay. the, the guy works said and he's a brother or he says he's a brother he working said, on being a brother <laughs> working on being a brother he said oh i think we ought to just uh you know i think we ought to put drones flying you know the border down there and just man when these groups are are coming across man just just obliterate them that's so freaking Second crazy. guy, hey, oh my God. that Bible study <laughs> said, me. I've got a solution. We can put snipers all along that wall, and we'll just start picking them off when they get seven, 800 yards from the wall. I had the same answer for both guys. I said, let me tell you something. I want to ask you a question. What if you were born in Mexico or Guatemala or wherever? It doesn't matter. And you had kids, and your kids were starving. You as a father that's done everything you could do to take care of your kids, and your kids are grown now, and, and I'm assuming that you guys did everything you could do to take care of your kids until they were grown. If you were down there, and your kids were starving, and there was hope of them not only being fed, but having a future, Going you're going to gonna, you're gonna tell me that you wouldn't go across that border illegally? Yeah, and they both just looked at me. I said, I'll, "If you're going to tell me that you wouldn't do that, then I'm going to think less of you as men." Definitely. Now, let's put you in that position. So now, do you want me on the other side to go, "Dirty immigrants"? I'm going to put a sniper up, pop them in the head when they come across, or I'm going to start bomb carpet bombing them with drones when they get so close to the border? You have to take these issues to a personal level. There's no okay. And somewhere in Mike or whoever it was, you know, John Doe, Mike Smith, whoever is telling you this stuff or, you know, whoever's this, this, these, whoever comes at you with one of these arguments is events at some point, someone crossed the Atlantic Ocean to get you well, over here. And, and <coughs> in the defense of these two guys, both of them, after that was brought to them, have absolutely objectively changed their position on this because for the first time they thought about it on a personal basis. And uh, 
you know, some of you listening are probably going, yeah, but the cartels coming across the border and they've been coming across the border. And I don't care if you put a wall up, they're going to continue to come across the border because the cartel business. It's uh, supply and demand. As long as people in America need want and need the drugs, they're going to bring them here. Supply and demand. And not only that is our, <laughs> our own secret. And the pharmaceutical companies. Well, it is, but even even factions inside of our government use drug money to fund their black ops all over the world. And you go, oh, man, you're really into a conspiracy theory. You know it's true. You can go back and see where it's been exposed multiple times throughout history. And the a great example is prisons. With all the walls and all the guards and the bureaucracy in prison still get drugs still get drugs in every single day and there's a whole nother podcast we could go into about these private uh commercialized prison facilities and our justice system that relies on these facilities Mm -hmm. it's a whole economy that's designed to put people in so they can get this much money one of the most mind-blowing things that i ever heard it was on a podcast the biggest proponent against the the legalization of recreational marijuana is the prison workers union. Sure. Prison guard union. Sure it is. And not only that. Tell me about not. But it's your local DA offices. That union funnels more money into anti-weed propaganda than anybody. They need the prisons full. And if that doesn't scream, oh, like, just hit you in the face, like, oh, this is this is where they stand, then I don't, you just, and, and it's you going know, over guys, These issues, they're not conspiracy theories. If we'll open up and have discussion about them, it's just like with the guys I was telling you about immigration. Both of them have absolutely changed their position because they're looking at this from a human point of view. And if we look at things from a human point of view, we can relate to one another. And, and, and questioning someone's beliefs until the point to where they go, ah, maybe that isn't the smartest way to think about things. Well, well, goes all the way back to Socrates. I'll give you one of the best examples of of how listening to somebody changed my point of view. I absolutely think that Bernie Sanders is crazy. I think that most of his ideals are so far out crazy, I can't see how anybody would ever think that they would work. I still think that. However, after listening to him on a three hours on a Joe Rogan podcast, I think Bernie Sanders is a sincere, loving, caring human being. Yep. And I see him as a human. And I respect him. I respect his views. I think he's wrong. And I think he's still crazy with some of his views, but I can tell you after listening to three hours of him talking, mm-hmm. I believe the guy's got a big old heart, man. And, and, you know, and he sincerely wants to make things better for people. That goes all the way back to us too, though. I take, uh, like my minor is in philosophy. I have classes that literally sit there and try to tell me where I'm wrong. And when they question me and I start going, Oh yeah, that's probably you know I haven't really didn't. I have, that's one of those beliefs that I haven't thought through. That's where you become a better person. If you have a belief that you haven't thought about, that you just mm, that I just that's just one belief I have. 
then the minute someone questions you about it and you don't have, you're just going to go, you're not going to believe in anything. It happens to so many Christians that the minute somebody comes around with a half argument to them, they go, oh my God, because they don't, they never even think about it. You can't just believe something just willy nilly. Belief is one of those things that you really need to have it a little more cemented than just, yeah, Grandpa, you know, believed that the earth is flat, so I believe it too. Well, and this one of the things that, it, and I, I still catch a lot of flack for this, but one of the things that I've absolutely started doing in my life is I'm looking at everybody as God's creation, therefore, they're my brother. I may disagree with them, but if I look at them from a human level, then we can communicate. If if I go, no, that guy's this, he's this radical Muslim that I have to hate just because his belief system, then there's never anywhere that he and I can relate to one another. I've got people that have literally told me, people that I see as good, honest, you know, people that and I and I mean this like I'm not over exaggerating that think that we should go on crusades and just kill everybody in the Middle East well and I've done and those people it's like I've done my own research <coughs> living down here I, you know I intentionally friended a Muslim guy and over a year of conversations we still disagree about a whole lot of stuff, but the thing we do have in common is he loves his kids. He wants the best for them. He wants peace mm -hmm. and a good society on this earth. And just simply because we have those same things in common, he and I can actually discuss our beliefs together without getting in an argument. Exactly. And But, but it goes back to if you're watching up Fox News, you can really get to thinking that the Muslims are out to get you. Well, and some of them are. But, and some of them are. But, but the dude that owns the corner store. He's not. He's just, he goes home to his family just, just like, like you do. Are. And we have to look at things in that perspective. There's a lot of difference between Smiley over here that owns the Valero and some guy that's a radical terrorist mm, sitting there plotting what his next plan to blow up. A bus in Kandahar is. Oh, absolutely. There's, I mean, that's a world of difference. But There's a lot of difference between you and some guy that, you know, drives a challenger through a group of people that hates, you know, black people. And hate in any form is not of God. And we have to look at all these issues from a human level. It's just like a week or so ago, I got caught in traffic for two hours because some knuckleheads from Greenpeace decided that they were going to repel off of the bridge on Beltway 8 over the ship channel and block the ship channel because they're protesting global warming. Okay, two hours caught in traffic watching and sit stuck watching these nuts dangle off the side of this bridge and their protester buddies carrying signs and stuff on the bridge and they disrupted my whole day. At first, I was angry, and I'm not going to ever tell y'all something a lie. My first thought was, if they would let me get my buck knife up there to the top of that bridge, 
I'll alleviate this problem because all I'd have to do is cut those ropes. They weren't high enough it would have killed them. They would have just went swimming. However, after sitting there for two, or th two hours, the thought did come to my mind, you know, these guys are wrong. They shouldn't be doing this. They're causing a lot of people a lot of distress. However, you got to have some respect for somebody that believes something strong enough. They're willing to do something like that to gain attention for it. Sadly, most normal people aren't passionate enough about anything to do anything about it. So at the end of the day, yes, they aggravated me. But I did come away with the respect, at least they believe strongly in, enough in something to take a risk to prove their point. And I think we all should consider that. No doubt. And, <clears throat> and the dehumanization of groups that you don't like is so dangerous. It's how the Nazis sure it is. wore down the German people to the point they were okay with, you know, taking people away and just... It is, and we're not far from that now. And we're not, and the more, it's just like being able to, okay with saying that you're okay with um, sniping, you know, Mexican and South American immigrants at the border. That's several years and decades of dehumanization of immigrants. It is. And being okay with, oh, that's just, yeah, that's just, oh, that's just uh, casualties of war when we accidentally bomb a hospital, a wedding, or 30 pine nut farmers in the Middle East. That's an atrocity. Imagine if um they bombed uh in Kansas some dudes on a freaking combine and a drone accidentally from Russia accidentally hit a guy on a combine. I would be outraged. We'd nuke Moscow. I ask people all the time when they're so pro war in the Middle East, how would you feel if all of a sudden Mexico City decided that we needed a regime change in Texas? would all grab our hunting rifles and go out and go to war with Mexico. That's yeah. how they feel when we do it to them. Well, guys, really, we do want your input. Uh, we would really like to get some feedback, so I'll let Elijah give, give you information on how you can email us or and on the blog and stuff. But, uh, hey, we appreciate you listening, and we're going to try to keep uh, Wilderness Voice Radio Free Texas going, and we will try to not be as long in between uh you definitely episodes. and um all the same venues <clears throat> excuse me as far as contacting the our podcast uh facebook page um the blog is new you can go to the facebook page at a uh, wilderness voice podcast to get to it we should have i should have something new on there pretty quick um a lot of that content comes from <clears throat> the writing the academic writing i do and the thoughts that i have going on there and uh, other than that, like Dad said, we should have a podcast coming out a little more frequently. Um, this one's just a little uh, more than a month since the last one. Um, it should be in exactly a month going forward. But with the flooding and all of the stuff going on, and me starting my senior, my fall semester at a uh, UH is just it was hard to get another one in as quick as I wanted to. But uh, that being said. We will see you next time.